No news so far from the Milwaukee Brewers, and that's because Major League Baseball doesn't want anybody making any news besides the teams that are in the postseason. And our postseason stay was very short. But our buddy Jack Stern is going to join us again from BrewCrewBall.com. We'll talk about potential offseason moves the Brewers could make. All that coming up next here on Locked on Brewers. You are Locked on Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Brewers. Good to have you along as always. Locked On Brewers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day. This episode brought to you by the Game Time app. Create an account. Use the promo code Locked On MLB for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's at game time. Chuck Freeman here with you, longtime sportscaster here in the state of Wisconsin. Download our episodes here on Lockdown Brewers, Google, Spotify, Apple. We're on all the major downloads. And, of course, go to YouTube, search Lockdown Brewers, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, and that alerts you every time we drop an episode. We are here for the from the offseason, in the offseason, talking Brewer baseball with you. Also bringing on great guests like our that man right there, Jack Stern from BrewCrewBall.com. Talk about somebody who knows the Milwaukee Brewers. He certainly does. That's why he's a, a repeat guest on the show, Jack. Great to great to join you. Um, of course, you know, it's been a while, a couple of weeks since the season has ended. I haven't talked to you since then. But before we get to some of those offseason moves, what did you think of that 27 hours of postseason the Brewers put on? It was disappointing. I think there's really no way around that. I think everyone was hoping not only for a deeper playoff run for the Brewers, but also just, you know, more success than that. And I think to go out without making much noise, to go out and get swept in two games like that, it was disappointing. I think in a couple of ways they lost for some of the reasons you might expect, just couldn't really get the big extra base hit when they had guys on base. So I think in a lot of ways, it was just kind of a worst case scenario that played out for the Brewers in those two games. It wasn't very fun to watch. I can tell you that much. Now, was it what of those two games do you think that what, what one irked you the most? Of course, both batted saw an appearance of Jesse Winker. So that take that out of the equation. But what game, what game irked you the most? I think it had to be game one. That was a game that the Brewers were really well positioned to take an early lead in that series. You're playing at home. Game one, Corbin Burns is on the mound. He's starting opposite Brandon Fott for the Diamondbacks, who are probably going to have to turn to more of a tandem start bullpen type game in game one as far as what their original plan was. That's just a game where you have an opportunity to really set the tone and take charge of the series. Mm -hmm. And they just couldn't do that. Corbin Burns, that was his chance to really kind of show, especially in the absence of Brandon Woodruff, that now he could be the guy and be that big game pitcher for the Brewers. And instead of stepping up, he basically did the opposite, just could not get those Diamondbacks out at a passable level to keep the Brewers in the lead there. They staked them to that early 3 nothing lead. Some questionable pitch sequencing, which has been an issue for him all year, not always calling great pitches in certain counts, relying a little bit too much on that cutter, not necessarily changing speeds the way that he's needed to for much of the year, made a couple mistakes over the heart of the strike zone, just could not do what the Brewers needed him to. So I think game one was the game that they really had a chance to win it. It was in their favor, and they just couldn't do it, and that really set the tone for the whole series. Yeah, Burns gave up the lead, although I will say that I wish the offense would have been able to bail him out, which so many times this year the offense was not able to do. I, I thought this, Jack, on, on Burns' season, I thought so many people were just, especially on Twitter, people would go to Twitter anytime Burns would struggle. And it's been a couple of times this year where he gave up the lead. 
right away, man. I don't know. Burns this season for so much, for some reason, drew the anger out of Brewer fans this season. I think a lot of it just comes down to this is a guy who I think if you were to just take his name out of the equation and you were to do a blind evaluation of what his season stats were and you saw the numbers, you would say that's a very serviceable season. You're talking, you know, reliable middle mm-hmm. of the rotation starter. But then you look and you see, oh, it's Corbin Burns and you see what Corbin Burns has done in the past and you look at his arsenal. He's got arguably the best arsenal of any pitcher in the game, not just that cutter, but also elite secondary pitches with the curveball the slider, just really good arsenal. This is a guy who should be one of the best starters in baseball, and instead he performed a lot more like a solid number three, which, again, for a lot of guys is a good season. But for Mm -hmm. Corbin Burns, I wouldn't call it a good season simply because of what he's capable of compared to what he actually did this year and a big reason behind why there was that gap between what he can do and what he did end up doing is I think a lot of it was stuff that was within his control, and a lot of it comes down to pitch calling, not always really throwing the right pitches and the right counts, probably being a little bit over-reliant on that cutter. A lot of the time he was just throwing that cutter, and he's either going to throw that to the inside part of the plate or the outside part of the plate, depending on whether he's facing a lefty or a righty. So just a guy who has really, really good stuff, but instead was just kind of sticking with one pitch probably more than he needed to, not mixing things up as much as he needed to, not using that slider as often as he could against righties as a real weapon, just things that he could control that he just wasn't doing. And the end result was a guy who, again, was more like a middle-of-the-rotation guy instead of a top-of-the-rotation guy. And then when it came playoff time and the Brewers needed him to be that top-of-the-rotation guy, he basically went out there and had a start akin to a middle-of-the-rotation guy. So it all just kind of followed that trend and I think that's what made it a very frustrating season for Brewer fans to watch from Corbin Burns I get it when Wade Miley has that type of season we're like wow what a great season Wade Miley when Corbin Burns I get it and I and I kind of use the same thing with with Christian Yelich but as far as Burns counsel was asked this before one of our meetings with him before a game you know he talks to the media before the game and he was asked uh, around the same type of things you're talking about there it was asked in the form of a question and Council says, you know, he was so good in 2021. It's just hard to stack up to those type. He set the bar so high for himself. And I, I don't know if that's just really defending his guy, his pitcher, or if it's just like, you know, an excuse that as to why Burns isn't as, wasn't as good as he was in 2021, because that was a Cy Young year, obviously. Yeah, and I mean, I think when you look back to that 2021 season, I think it, again, just kind of demonstrated just how good that stuff is. Uh, and But it also kind of proves if you go from 2021 to 2023 and the downtick mm-hmm. in performance, despite there not really being a downtick in stuff, I think it shows that, again, no matter how good your stuff is, these are big league hitters and they're going to try to make adjustments. And I think they did a much better job of not only having seen that cutter more, getting some better swings off it, but also just knowing what to look for when you're facing Corbin Burns. When you're facing Corbin Burns, it's going to be that cutter in the lower third of the strike zone. And when he's relying really, really heavily on that and he's not giving you the slider or the curveball as often as he probably should, it just becomes easier to sit on that. And I think the fact that when guys probably had a very good idea of what was coming for most of the season and he still had generally solid results, like a middle of the rotation starter, again, that speaks to just how good that stuff is. But then it also speaks to how much better he could be if he did a better job of sequencing his pitches, mixing his pitches, kind of knowing how to attack hitters. And I think, again, it just kind of ties back into why it's so frustrating. And you talked about what Council said. I do think it's going to be very hard for Corbin Burns to ever get back to that 2021 point. I'm not saying that, you know, he's always 
going to be a guy who we should expect to do that because that's not realistic either. Mm-hmm. But he should be closer to that guy than to the guy he was this year, as long as he's healthy and as long as the stuff looks good. And I think it does come down to a lot of things he can control. And again, Council's not going to say that in front of the media. I don't think there's really anything to gain from going out there and just criticizing your guy. You want to have your players back. Uh, but just kind of looking at it from a third-party standpoint from where I'm at, that's the way that I see it. I'm wondering if the in the future, assuming Burns isn't going to be here, and I don't think he's here long-term, and Woodruff status right now, those are the two guys, and I know Woodruff missed a lot of the season, but when he was here, when he was performing, he was great, and the pitching staff as a whole is great, but they're going to have to upgrade offensively if we're going to continue to see them build on this pitching staff because you got two aces already technically on the staff and a great bullpen, or would you see them building up the offense more, knowing that they may not have Woodruff or Burns long-term? I think if you're looking at how they're going to improve this offense, I think it's going to be kind of similar to what we saw last offseason where you're hoping for improvement from within. And I know the Brewers relied on a lot of their young prospects this year, and that just didn't really pan out for them offensively. These guys, the rookies, were a very big part of what made this team so good defensively, but they were also a big part of why this team struggled to hit more than we would like just because they had these guys who did not have any big league experience did not really profile as great big league hitters out of the gates because they always had some concerns with their profile. You talk about a Joey Weimer who has a lot of swing and miss, just -hmm. very vulnerable to pitches away because of all the moving parts and the violent motion in that swing. A guy like Sal Freelich, who very good eye at the plate, very good contact skills, but doesn't hit the ball super hard. So higher floor than Weimer, but the ceiling's not as great. Uh, Even a guy like Garrett Mitchell, who didn't play a whole lot this year due to the injury, If he would have been healthy, we probably would have seen the strikeouts kind of catch up to him a little bit. Bryce Terang, a guy who doesn't really drive the ball enough to be considered a true offensive threat at this point. Uh, But I do think we are going to see a similar strategy for next year offensively in that they are going to rely on some more rookies again. They're going to rely on the guys they have right now who debuted in 2023 to hopefully take a step forward. We're going to see guys like Jackson Churio, Tyler Black. Those are probably guys who are going to be counted on to make an impact on next year's team. And I am a little more optimistic about those players. Turio's got all the makings of a superstar. Black is a guy who has the plate discipline of Freelich, but he's got more doubles power. So I think he can be an impact bat out of the gates. So I do think that offense is going to be a priority for them. I don't know if they're going to go outside of the organization to make those big improvements. I think they are going to count on improvement from within. And it's going to be a similar story on the pitching side too. I just think that if you are talking about Burns's future being in question, Woodruff being out for all of next year, I think we could see some external additions to the starting rotation just because they are going to need guys to eat innings. And I don't think they have enough guys in the organization right now to do that. So I think we're going to see more external moves on the pitching side Also hoping that a couple of internal guys get the job done too. Robert Gosser is a guy who's probably going to come up next year as a rookie, asked to eat a lot of innings for them. Um, But I think, again, it's going to be a situation where the Brewers are looking to improve wherever they can. They know that there's steps forward to take offensively and steps forward to take on the the pitching side, and they're going to examine what's out there on the agent market, what's out there on the trade market, but they're also going to examine what they have internally. So, again, I think a lot of the offensive improvements are going to count on from guys they already have in the system, Pitching, we might see some more external additions. Jack, hang on one second. We're going to come right back to you. Jack Stern, our great guest from brewcrew.brewcrewball.com, a frequent guest here 
on Lockdown Brewers. Chuck Freeman, Lockdown Brewers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. The show is brought to you in part by FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook for many reasons. FanDuel, October baseball is back. You can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And join FanDuel today. You'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Plus, visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown to create your own account. And you can get in all the action. There's so many things to get on with baseball from the first pitch until the final out, live betting, anything. Bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs and who will win the game, all that. You don't have to wait the whole game to get a W. Predict what's coming on in the next at bat with quick bets. You could be a winner. Head on over to fanduel.com slash locked on right now. Step up to the plate. This postseason, $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball and, of course, football in full swing as well. FanDuel is there for you regarding that. NBA is starting up, but October baseball is here. Postseason debut, make it with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Take advantage of that $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Chuck Freeman here on Lockdown Brewers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We are your team every day. Follow us along Google, Spotify, Apple. We're on all the major downloads. We're the number one Brewers podcast on the on the internet. And of course, we're on YouTube as well. Search Lockdown Brewers on YouTube. Joining us right now is Jack Stern. We're coming right back after this timeout. Welcome back to Lockdown Brewers. Chuck Freeman here. Jack, I was on a podcast earlier today and one of the guys, a Dodger guy, everybody was going around the room. What are you going to do in the offseason? All oh, the Yankees are spending money. The, uh, and I, of course, I said our biggest move, uh, you know, are we going to resign Josh Donaldson? <laughs> Joking, of course. And, of course, the Dodger guy piped up, hey, why don't you trade Corbin Burns to us? Like, you know, I hate this when people just want to, like Giannis, people just want to pick our players off our team. And this is what bothers me about the system in Major League Baseball is that, you know, like I said earlier, and you know this, that, you know, Burns is eventually going to go. They're not going to give him a big contract. But, um, you know, I just think that I wonder if they're going to try to trade him before the tender date. You think that's going to happen or we're going to get one of those messy situations again? I mean, I think they're just going to hold out and see what the best offer that they can get for him is. And maybe that comes before the tender date. Maybe it comes after, uh, maybe after just because at that point, you know, there will have been a little bit more action on the free agent market, on the trade market. Rosters are going to kind of come into focus a little more. And then you might have teams that are a little more willing to pay a bigger price for him just because you're getting closer opening day. Maybe you haven't made the additions to your rotation that you wanted to, and Burns is still out there. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that tender date is really going to be a big factor for them. I think everybody knows that either way, someone's going to have to pay Burns in arbitration his final year of the season, and whether it is the Brewers who go to a hearing with him or if he gets traded before then and someone else goes to a hearing with him, I don't think that's going to matter a whole lot either way. The Brewers are just going to be in a position where they want to make sure that if they are going to trade him, it's got to be the best possible package that you can get back. And that's something that they're going to sit on and they're going to think about it and they're going to be deliberate. I wonder if it'd be best to wait until the trading deadline. And if you're not in it, then unload them because there was a time when at the trading deadline, you could get a boatload for a guy may not be the case anymore. And maybe it's best to trade them in the off season, but I kind of want to, I will hold on to them because I I'm selfish. I'm, I'm thinking in terms of next year, but if you're thinking long-term, maybe it's good to deal him in here on the off season, because obviously the trading deadline, if you're in the race, you would never deal them. 
Right, and I think there's pros and cons both ways. I think that if you do trade him at the deadline, there's maybe that chance that a team gets a little bit more desperate and they're willing to give up you know, a bigger package for him just to bring him in. But at the same time, I mean, front offices are pretty smart, and I think mm-hmm. we are kind of getting to a point where we're not seeing these massive overpays at the trade deadline for premium talent like we used to a few years back. So you think about that, and then the big factor for me too is it just, in my mind, does so much more damage if you do it mid-season versus doing it over the off-season. I don't really want to be the guy who brings up the Josh Hader trade again because I think that's <laughs> done to death the aftermath of all that. But I do think that was an example of it can be more damaging to a clubhouse if you do it during the middle of the season. And I don't think the Brewers would in that same sort of circumstances. I think there's a big difference between trading a one-inning reliever, even if he is one of the best closers in baseball, versus trading a guy who is throwing about 200 innings for you every year as one of your better starting pitchers. That's a lot harder to replace on the fly in season if you're trying to be competitive. And there also there always is that possibility that the Brewers are not in the race at the deadline and they still have burns and then they decide to trade them and you don't really have to worry about letting the clubhouse down if you're basically on the outskirts outskirts of the race anyway. But the Brewers are going to try to be competitive this year, so I don't think they want a situation where they trade him at the deadline. So if I'm the Brewers, I try to get the best possible return for him this winter, and that's really the only way that I'd be willing to approach it at this point, especially because they've hung on to him this long. So I do think right now you are in that Burns trading window where you have kind of struck that balance between getting as much value from him as a brewer as you can, maintaining good enough vibes in the clubhouse, while also trying to get something back before he walks in free agency. Well, I'm wondering free agency, if they'll make a, obviously they're not going to be a big player in free agency, but if they'll make a couple of secondary moves, you know, mid-level moves. Yeah, I think it's a situation where they're obviously going to be scouring the market, seeing what's out there, probably some, lower tier free agents. What we've kind of seen the Brewers get into the habit of in free agency is just try to sign these guys to relatively cheap one-year deals. And I actually think that's a reason why the Brewers have managed to stay so competitive over the last several years because they don't tie themselves up to multi-year contracts. Really the only exceptions have been Lorenzo Kane and now Christian Yelich mm-hmm. who signed an extension. Kane was a free agent deal. But I think it does kind of work in Milwaukee's favor a little bit when you sign some of these guys to short-term deals and say it doesn't work out, well, it's a lot easier to cut bait. And I think that the Brewers are aware that there's always going to be players on the free agent market who can help a team. Maybe they're not you know, the most exciting player out there or even the most valuable player out there, but they have a role on a contending team. And you've had a manager the last few years in Craig Council who has known how to utilize those part-time players and kind of mix and match in the best way to get value from them and feel the winning team. Obviously, there's concerns and questions about Council's future with the organization, but I think that overall approach of how they handle free agency is not going to change. Now, if there's a player out there who they really, really like, they think that the money's there for them, and they're willing to make an exception, they will. We did see them do that with Kane, and I think a lot of that had to do with Kane being such a well-rounded player who could help you in so many different facets, glove, speed, bat, all kinds of different things. And I don't think that kind of player has necessarily been out there for them Mm -hmm. the last couple of years. So again, you can take a deeper dive into the free agent market, but right now, just with the way it's going to shape up, I'm kind of leaning towards, we're probably going to see a repeat of the last few seasons where they don't add a whole lot of free agents. They just add some guys who they can kind of 
plug in as supplementary pieces, kind of like Brian Anderson last year. And then from there, you find the best way to utilize those guys who you brought in on a one-year deal. And then after that, kind of rely on your internal options to take a step forward. You know, Jack, they went out and got Kane five years, 80 million. Yeah, toward the end of the contract, you knew that was going to be that way where, you know, unfortunately I ended up having to DFA the guy, but uh, right, worth it. I, I think he helped this team in so many different ways get to the postseason. If there was another guy out there like that, I think they need a guy like that on the team, a, a different difference maker, a heart of the order, uh, a core, a heart and soul of the team. And I thought Lorenzo Cain really was that guy, you know, on those 2018, 2019 teams. Yeah, and I think that kind of goes back to the point I made about he does so many different things, and that's why they were comfortable handing out a big deal to him. That's mm -hmm. not something the Brewers like to do, but just knowing that regardless of how Kane's bat would have aged through that contract, they knew that, again, he's a good leader in the clubhouse, and he remained a very good defender in center field through the entirety of that deal when he yeah. was healthy. I know he didn't see the field a whole lot at the end, but even at the end when he wasn't a great offensive player, he was still providing value to that team as a good defensive center fielder. I know that he really, really struggled in 2022, but in 2021, he was actually still a very good player just because he was such a good defender in center, still providing that leadership in the clubhouse. And I think that's what it takes for the Brewers to kind of deviate from their normal way of operating and make that exception to make a big splurge. It's got to be a guy who can really help this team in a number of different facets. And I don't think that guy has necessarily been out there the last few years. But if it happens again where there is a guy like that who can make a similar impact, do think they would consider it. It's just a matter of kind of playing the field and seeing what's out there. Do the Brewers have a surprise or two in them? We'll ask Jack about that. We come back out of this break. Chuck Freeman here, Locked On Brewers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day. This show is brought to you in part by Game Time. Game Time, I've told you about Game Time before and how good it is. And, you know, I went and got myself some concert tickets this past weekend. And if you want concert tickets, you want sporting events, the NBA is starting up. Well, it won't be frustrating buying tickets from Game Time. It's easy. You shouldn't have to worry about buying tickets to your next event because Game Time is fast. They're easy. Buy tickets from sports, uh, music, comedy, theater events, anything that's going on in your area. And I could say here in Wisconsin, they have all these tickets right there. Killer last-minute uh, deals, uh, all in prices, views from your seat, the best price guaranteed. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. I bought tickets very cheap a couple hours before game behind the visitor's club out, clubhouse, uh, right behind their dugout, and it's worked out great. Last bit of tickets, flash deals, zone deals. They got all that. Easy to find. Buy tickets for any kind of event. And of course you go on the app and you'll see the views of all the seats right from the venue. And you're gonna get the lowest price guaranteed without question. Also event cancellation protection game time has tickets right up to the start of the event. And even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last minute tickets. So download the game time app. You got to start there, create the account, use the promo code locked on MLB for 20 bucks off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account, redeem the code locked on L O C K. E D O N M L B for 20 bucks off. Download the Game Time app and get those 20 bucks off. Last bit of tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That is Game Time. Chuck Freeman here on Lockdown Brewers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Download us on Google, Spotify, Apple, and go to YouTube and just search Lockdown Brewers. You can get all our episodes right there during the season, present, future, past, whatever. It's all on Lockdown Brewers. Jack Stern, our guest from BrewCrewBall.com, joining us. Do you see a move here in the offseason? 
Jack, where you might see a surprise move, somebody move that we might be not be talking about? I think that there's a chance that the Brewers pick up Mark Canna's option and then trade him, similar to what we saw with Colton Wong last year. And well, like that might come as a surprise to some people. I, I, yeah. I, I want to keep him. I want to keep him though. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna pick up that option just because they know that there's not really a free agent out there who can do what Canna does at the price of that option. But I also think that they're gonna trade him because they probably realize that Canna's value is going to go down from here, not get mm-hmm. higher. Yeah. Um, this is a guy who's in his mid-30s now. The power isn't quite where it used to be, and I think we started to see the effects of that a little bit last year. I know he caught fire with the Brewers at the end of the year, but that really feels like it's going to be one of his better stretches of baseball that he plays for the rest of his career. So I think you're going to see a situation where the Brewers pick up that option and they end up trading him. That's probably going to be a surprise to some fans simply because mm-hmm. of how well he played down the stretch here. There's going to be an opening at first base if Carlos Santana walks in free agency and Rowdy Telez gets non-tendered. So you would think that Canna could plug in there, but I think they're going to trade him, try to get some value back in return. And then I actually think that there's a chance they install Tyler Black at first base on opening day, and that's how they decide to handle that situation. So that's one thing that I think has a pretty good chance of happening, and it it might be a surprise for some people who watch Canna play down the stretch. How would you feel if he played first base next year? I would be okay with that too. That's probably not my preferred choice because, again, I think you're going to see a situation where as he's getting into his mid-30s now and the power's not quite where it used to be, He's still going to get on base a lot, but I just don't know if the hit tool is good enough anymore where he's going to be any better than a league average hitter. And I think that's something that they already have internally. I think Tyler Black can be at least a league average hitter as a rookie because he's got similarly excellent plate discipline. He's probably got a little bit more power than Canada's at this point. It's very close. So I think it's going to be a situation again where that's the route they take. I wouldn't be opposed to Canada starting at first base because I do think he'll be productive in some capacity next year but not as productive as he was for the brewers after the trade deadline this year so that's why i think the brewers are going to try to sell high there say as vinny retino a couple of weeks ago i said vinny what about putting black and he th- he's along the same lines as you he thinks black's gonna play first base what would you do over at third i think it's gonna have to be a little bit more of a mix and match see what's out on the market i know andrew monasterio is probably in that mix i wouldn't really prefer him as the starting third baseman he's a Me guy too. who yeah, utility. He, I know he had a good run for a few weeks during the middle of the season, but he was kind of performing over his talent level a little bit, not to to say anything against the guy. He did a very nice job for them, but that bat just profiles much more as a utility guy. He works good at bats, but just doesn't have a whole lot of power. So it's going to be a guy who does better in utility role. You could see a Josh Donaldson reunion just because the Brewers need options there, and he's probably not going to have a great market in free agency maybe he'd be willing to come back it seemed like that tenure in milwaukee seemed to go decently well down the stretch so he could be an option could check some other guys on the free agent market i think that that's going to be a position though where there is a little bit more of a question mark for the brewers black could factor in at third base i know matt arnold talked about him as an option there but black is a guy who has bounced around the diamond in the minor leagues and he just has not been an especially great defender at any position they've tried him at He picked up more first base down the stretch in the minor leagues last year, and he seemed to take pretty well to that. I think that is ultimately where he's going to end up. And then it's going to be a little bit more of a question mark at third base. I think that's where you could see the Brewers dip into free agency. Maybe if they do try to trade someone like Burns, they see if they can get someone back who can play corner infield, and they go from there. I think that's an area, though, where they are going to look a little bit more outside the organization. Jack, as always, great getting you aboard. 
I know you're going to have all sorts of great off-season content leading right up to opening day next year. And, of course, I'm going to catch up with you again here in the off-season. Thanks for joining us, Jack. Yeah, thank you again for having me. Jack Stern from BrewCrewBall.com. Read his stuff. My name is Chuck Freeman. Locked On Brewers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day. Thank you all, your everydayers. Follow me along on Twitter. Follow Jack along on Twitter. By Jack Stern. By Jack Stern, S-T-E-R-N. And, of course, me, Chuck Freeman, F-R-E-I-M-U-N-D. All right, everybody, we'll talk to you tomorrow on Locked On Brewers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day. So long, everybody.